Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. And guests on the show receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Spec, you got a couple seconds to get set up there. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. Momentarily, Mark Spector, Stoffer Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta. Watch for the new opening of the new Century Mile racetrack uh, this spring. We're going to get to some quick texts here. We're just talking it in this. I knew this day was coming when Clef Bomb was going to get activated. The easy decision to save face would have been to have played Brandon Manning ahead of Kevin Gravel. The problem is Gravel deserves to stay in the lineup. So now the Edmonton Oilers have two defensemen that are scratches that were traded for, that they gave up assets for, and uh, one of those assets comes back and is playing on the top line for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. That's Drake Kajula, the same Drake Kajula who scored two goals the last time the Oilers played the Hawks when they shut them out 4 nothing back on uh, November 1st. If you told me on November 1st that we'd be in this position right now, I would have said you were crazy. We now bring aboard Sportsnet Spec, Mark Specker. Spec, how are you? Oh, pretty fair. Just got out of the Chicago room. We had a nice chance to have a chat with Drake Kajula. Shook his hand. Was he surprised by doing? the trip? Was he a little surprised? Oh, for sure. He said he was sitting around playing video games and the phone rang. Next thing he knew, he was in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised by the trade, weren't you? Well, you, why were you surprised? You were the guy during the well, afternoon. I, I that broke the trade, but I was surprised as... as All I will say, Mark, is during the course of that evening, somebody sent a text off before the trade was consummated and... I can 100% guarantee you that there were some questions as to why there was a second defenseman being acquired at that time. Yep. Now, here's here's the rationale behind it. And I don't expect anybody to agree with this rationale, for the record, okay? This is a day... Okay, this quite... Not yet is the day. Because the day comes when Secra gets activated, the owner's going to have to clear cap space to do it. But yep. here we go. On a day in which you're healthy scratching both Brandon Manning and Alexander Petrovich, you're down two forwards. you got nothing for Strom, and Kajula's playing on the first line uh, in Chicago. Right, and you're capped out. And you're capped out. There's not a lot of empathy from the Oilers fan base when that occurs. Well, the GM didn't do a very good job, Bob. And as such, he's not the GM anymore. Right. What you'd like to see is that the organization could have reined that in a little bit before he... You know, it was like scorched earth before Peter Chiarelli I was bumped into escorted a gen- out of here. I bumped into a prominent NHL general manager in Montreal on the weekend. Yep. And he's like, well, you know, the, the question I have for you is how much, you know, advice and input was go- Peter Chiarelli getting? And I, I said to him, do you know Peter Chiarelli? Do you know <laughs> Peter's personality? He said, yes. Don't you have your answer for it? Right there at that stage? Like, hmm. do you think there was... I, I mean, was Steve Tamalini... Kevin Lowe was the general manager, Was then became president. Steve came in as GM. And what did Steve Tamblini do for about the first four months on the job? He dithered. 
He Steve was a ditherer. He didn't do much, did he? He didn't do much his whole time in the job. He was he was a slow on the very thoughtful and, and methodical general manager. And uh, listen, I feel like you know when G- I don't want I don't want to sit here and do an hour long show where we kick the crap out of Shirelli because he's gone. This the buck stops on his desk. Right. When you're the GM, you make a good trade. Sometimes it's it's a scout that comes to you and says, "Hey, see, I went and saw this guy. He's fabulous. We should try to spirit him out of the organization." St. Louis Blues don't know how good this guy is. I do. The GM gets credit for that trade, Bob, because he's the GM. When the GM does what happened here, he gets credit for that too. That's the way the this is your show, Bob. If I'm a lousy guest, it's partially your fault. Then get the hell off here. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> and that's hey, Brent, how it works. Brendan S. Scott, are you back in the studio listening right now, Brendan? Yeah, what's going on? What did Mark Hapshide say to you about Brett Leeson and when he started to gain traction? Well, he said towards the end of last season is when it really started to take a turn. Okay, so now Brent Leeson, who scored a goal and had a couple of assists here last night for the Prince Albert Raiders, is uh, top five in scoring in the Western Hockey League. And now Craig Button has Leeson as a potential first-rounder, and so too does ISS. And I can 100% guarantee you that the Edmonton Oilers had people in their organization tell them we should take a flyer on Brett Leeson in the sixth or seventh round of the draft. Right, and if they would have done that, the GM would have got credit for making a smart, savvy draft pick. Yes. So here we are. Uh, and the number one storyline today for the Edmonton Oilers should be Oscar Clefbaum's return. But another storyline is Drake Kajula's returning on the top line. Which, by the way, the last time these two teams played spec, he was on the Oilers' top line, playing with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. Now he's playing with Kane and uh, Taze. Well, it's funny. um, You know, a lot of Oilers fans wondered why Kajula got so many shots with uh, McDavid, whereas Pugliarvi, for instance, uh, did not. And I just listened to Patrick Kane talking about all the things that that Kajula does in his estimation. You know how he says he he opens up ice because he gets to the, you know, he puts pressure on the defenseman, at least more room for Jonathan Taves and I. He wins puck battles that end up on our stick. Skates through guys when he hits them. Sure, he does a lot of things that make it easier to be Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And the great player knows that there's things my line mate can do for me that can help me to be a great player. And Carter McDavid is no exception to that. So I guess what I would say to you is that that Drake Kajula, you can argue as to whether he's a first-line player, but now we're on to the next team where the first-line players are looking at him as a real viable line mate, as a useful guy. And I would say to you that Carney McDavid has enough sway in this lineup, Bob, that if he felt whoever he feels should be in that spot, I'm not saying he plays there every day, but he's going to get a look. I think he'd be naive to believe that Ken Hitchcock did not discuss with the Oilers' best players. Best players. Yep. All right, so if we go three centers, who are we going to play with? Yep. And who's not on any of those lines at this stage? Yes, Apolliarvi. Yep. Now, you and me have had animated discussions before. I don't, for me, Apolliarvi needs to gain a little bit of traction here and earn it. Fourth lineup. And the one thing I'll say about the two games on the weekend is he he was good in Philly. He wasn't very good against Montreal, but he transported the puck against Philadelphia because he got to make plays that didn't defer. He hung on to the puck. Yeah, he's still a long ways away. But when you see Kajula getting deployed the way you do at age 24 and Paul Yarby the way he does at the age of 20, perhaps well, you're getting What's a, the difference? A couple of years of college for Kajula. And maturity and all those yeah, other All th- those things you learn in Bakersfield, Bob. That's a well, difference. Per, and, and you know what? That's a difference. He should have learned it two years ago when Jerry Fleming was there. 
Ah, he should. If he hadn't learned it in a year under Jerry Fleming, he should be back Mark, the next year to Mark, learn it Mark, under the next Mark, guy. Mark, there, there could come a point. We can't blame all these things on the two coaches that go here. There, well, wait a sec here. How's it going this year under Jay Woodcroft for well, everybody down there? That's fine, but it's not. It's, how's it, how's it you going? You don't throw Jesse Pugliarvi away because you didn't like the coach from two years ago. Jesse Pugliarvi is a single they, entity, and are, he's not ready to play in the NHL. We're back to the Jesse, the Jesse Pugliarvi. He should be playing for Woodcroft. If Woodcroft's such a good coach, which I agree with you, Bob. He is an excellent coach. He should have a hold of this I, young prospect. And I think he's had a – I'll say this about Woodcroft. I think he's had a terrific first year, and he's got tremendous he's energy. a nice job. And I'm not surprised the energy level okay. up there has been significantly upgraded because anybody that's been listening to the show for the last several years – knows my thoughts on what wasn't happening down in Bakersfield, and now it is. Yeah, good. So, now, they have better pro- – they're not A-list prospects in any way, shape, or form. There's no slam dunk any – like, Yamamoto is smart enough to play. He's going to have to progress. And you know what? The owners probably rushed him up too quickly when they brought you him think? up. think? After – right? When he came off that injury. So, anyways. <laughs> you think? I, let's get – the number one storyline tonight is not Jesse Paul Yarby's deployment. The number one story tonight – is the return of Oscar Clefbaum and yeah. what he means to this team. So we've watched this over the many years, Bob. Um, Oscar Clefbaum is the number one defenseman on this team. He takes the most minutes. He's their most important defenseman. He is not what I would say, and I think you'd agree with me, he is not what you would list off as a genuine number one defenseman. In the 15 number one D-men in the NHL. Yeah, there might it. be 15 guys, 16 guys. He's not one of them, but he's Edmonton's number one. So what happens when he leaves the lineup is everybody has to play too much. You know, Darnell Nurse is playing 28 minutes. He did a pretty good job, Darnell Nurse. I'll give him credit. Chris Russell plays more than he should, right? He's in overtime a couple times when he normally might not be. Matt Benning plays a little bit more than he should. You know, every guy is playing too much. Caleb Jones went from being a really nice-looking defenseman at 15 minutes to playing 22 minutes and next stop Bakersfield, right? So... Clefbon comes back, everybody settles back into where they're supposed to be. You know, they're back to the 14-minute defense was going to play 14 minutes tonight, Bob. The the 19-minute defense was going to play 19 minutes tonight. Now your team's better just by having one guy. Even when Oscar's not on the ice, right? You're still better. Do you believe there's certain auras with players as well? Like Oscar Clefbon, and we should maybe explain this to listeners what we're talking about. He is about of an easygoing nice a guy as there is to deal with on a day-to-day basis in that room. Oh, for sure. And you can tell he's respected and well-liked by yep. his teammates. Yeah, he's a right? great guy. Right? Like he's Now, I don't know what he's like when the doors are closed. Right. I've not competed with him in a hockey game, right. but I know him when the doors are open, and he's one of the Because nicest. there are some guys that look at guys like us and go, uh, I got to deal these pains in the butt, right? <laughs> you know, and here we go again. Yeah, but I've also... And, and, I, and I'm not talking just about the PR people. I've also known guys who are too easygoing. Yeah. And they're really nice and fun to deal with, and they're a great quote. But you want them to dial it up on game day and knock somebody over once in a yeah. while. I think we've seen off. So who does it help more that Clefbaum is back? Does it help Nurse the most? Does it help Larson the most or Russell? Or all three? All three. Yeah. Nurse shouldn't play 28 minutes. No one. I mean, only the most elitist. Drew Dowdy among us in should fairness, be playing 28 in minutes. In fairness to Darnell, there's been some progression here over the last oh, month. tons. He's running a power play, and he'll yeah. run it again tonight. That's, we should mention that. Yeah. Stays in the first unit power play, yeah. cleft bomb oh, on the tons second. Tons of progression for Darnell yeah. Nurse. I've always said, Bob, on your show, and, and I don't mind saying this because I know that I'm not redoing history. I've never said that Nurse is a top-pairing defenseman for sure, but I've always said, how do we know he's not? Everyone always slotted Darnell. Ah, he's a number four. Ah, he's a, he's a third pairing. Ah, he's this, he's that. How do we know what he is? 
He's now a top four defenseman. Okay, well, maybe he's a two. Look at him run a power play the last little while what, here. What's Dale Talensline? How many games do you need to play before you know what you got with an NHL well, defense? What you say, 300? 300. Right. Neither Clefbaum or Nurse are at 300, right. so which what, is why whoever becomes the next manager that comes in, you don't have to put your footprint all over things and move guys out that have been here and make massive changes. Subtle. Sometimes works more oh, effectively, sure. says a guy who's a loudmouth schmuck on the air. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer <laughs> with you with another schmuck. Mark Spector. We'll take a quick time out. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 49. You know, it's only like minus 263 outside in Edmonton. So this March, why don't you take the family to the beach during spring break? Great deals, fun in the sun destinations from New West Travel. Start planning today. Puerto Vallarta, 1545. Riviera Maya, 1699. Honolulu, just 1875. These four and five star packages include accommodations, airfare, taxes, and parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. For reservations, call the travel experts at New West Travel. Book online at newwesttravel.com. 12:49 game night. The Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks, two of the three top scorers in the entire National Hockey League. Stoffer Inspector, brought to you by the Horses Horse Racing Alberta. Watch for the opening of the new Century Mile racetrack this spring. All right, Spec. We were talking about the uh, projected impact of Oscar Kleffbaum again. Mm-hmm. He missed 21 games. The Oilers went six, 12, and three during those games. They were 17. Ooh, that hurts. 17, 12, and two before. Um, you know what? Edmonton uh, beat Colorado. Last game that Clefbaum played, he left the game halfway through. Yep. Beat Colorado, and uh, the next morning I could December tell. 11. I could tell uh, that uh, Peter Shirelli was quite uh, agitated. Uh, which, frankly, uh, you, you know, well, would, I want to say, make, I say make, this makes some sense. But uh, Oscar Clefbaum uh, has had the misfortune to be hurt for longer stretches most seasons. Yep. And every time he's out for a long time, the Oilers really suffer. Yes, they do. That's how important he is to them. It also shows the lack of depth that they've had on their blue line. Yes. And we're into the third one of these, and they're still lacking this same depth on their blue line that they lacked the first time. So at some point, when do you know the, the message has to, like the defense has to get better. You can't have it. Guys are going to get hurt. Tough game. They shoot the puck hard. All Oscar did was stand there, stick his hand, his stick out. He got a, you know, his lower hand on the on the shaft of the stick got smashed by a slap shot, busted a finger. It's going to happen. So you so, need to be able to survive it, Bob, better than six and twelve. Well, he was that. he was hurt all last year too. We know yeah. that. Yeah. Um, How'd the season go? So oh, here here's so here, here's the difference between the two years. Okay, to me. Shirelli did have some cap space in 2017-18. He had more cap space to play with. And he knew about Sekra's injury in yeah, one the, in May. Right. So you can make an argument he should have done better than he did that season oh. to replace Andre Sekra. This year, in fairness to Peter, Andre Sekra's injury occurred in August. Mm-hmm. And the orders were fairly capped out at that stage. So yeah. that was a tough confluence of events that occurred. Right. So, I, 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 you know what? You kind of dumb luck, bad luck, call it whatever you want. Bottom line here is that's part of the reason why he's no longer here as a GM. What do you think will happen with uh, Sekra goes down for three games. By mutual agreement, they can extend it two more, correct? Yes, correct. So, I'm going to just jump the horse here and say he's going to play five in the minors because he's going to need all of that time to get her back together. 
Right. Do you think that he will be, at the end of those five games, Bob, a viable top six NHL defenseman that makes your team better? I'd say he'd be hard-pressed to pull that off. So do I. So what happens? He's got to come up. Uh, this isn't the same as, say, Stefan Robida, right, who did not have a no-movement clause. So the Leafs could say, stay away and we'll pay you, or come back and we'll say to the minors. Uh, Sekra has no a no-movement clause, so he has to be here in Edmonton, the NHL. So what happens if he comes back after five games and says, I'm ready to go, and the Oilers look at him and go, no, you're not? Then what happens? I don't know. I don't know how How does that work? You know, I know the case of Joffrey Lupul, who also ended up going to Roman. Didn't have a no-move. Didn't have a no-move. Oh, and there was one other part. He had a fused vertebrae, which meant the Leafs at any time could fail him outright. Yeah, right. Which also meant that... But they did not, in fact, put him on LTIR, did they? I'm trying to recall if he I think, a- like, they just paid him to stay away. Right. <laughs> Basically. And, but the, the implied threat under that situation is, oh, you want to come back and play? Sure. Here's your choices. We're going to pay you all your money, and you're going to stay away from the team. We're never going to see you. Or B, we're going to pay you all your money, and we're sending you to the minors to ride the bus. So the guy stays away from the team. He says, I don't want to go to the minors at my age. But that is not an option with, with Andre Sekra. That is not an option. Oh, and that is, it's going to make things interesting to say the least. Yeah. And then the other thing that happens is when he comes back, Edmonton has to clear a significant amount of cap space. Got to make a deal. Now, my guess is if they put Matt Benning on waivers, he'd get claimed. I'm, Matt Benning has been a plus defenseman every year for the Edmonton Oilers since he's well, been here. I would prefer not to lose Matt Benning. If Same I'm here. Oilers and he's nothing. a right shot, right? Like, So what if you traded Petrovic? Could you get the third-round pick you gave no. up for him? No. Not a chance. What if you traded Manning? Could you trade him, A, and if you could, could you get a the player ex- of they, Jake Kajula's I think team? you. I think you might if a team suffers, let's just say between now and the next 10, well, let's say realistically, Sekra, we're looking at a week from now. If... A team suffers a couple injuries on defense. I think Petrovic may be a guy the orders. You know, Keith Kretzky can move out at that time. This turn that third into a fourth or fifth, whatever. Or fifth. I mean, we were both here. We were both surprised it was a third and Weidman. Um, oh. <laughs> Say no more, Bob. I remember watching Pete Stemkowski. I was bartending at Moe's Sports Parlor. And uh, <laughs> Drew Remenda, if he's listening to the show right now, would be laughing about this. The Calgary Flames hosted the San Jose Sharks, and Mike Fracci was a rookie defenseman that year. Yes. Mike played a long time in the league. Sure did. But uh, Theron Fleury was plus eight in the game. Plus eight? Yes. And uh, they oh, were doing the highlight. than it is outside. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they were uh, doing the highlights during the intermission, or as it turned out to be the lowlights. Yes. And uh, Ratchie turned the puck over on one goal. And uh, so Pete Stemkowski said, well, here you see Ratchie. That's a tough play. Here's the next goal against. And, well, Ratchie loses his man on this one. And then there's the third goal. And, again, it's Flurry walking Ratchie. And he goes, and there you see Ratchie. And he just goes like this. Oh. (laughs) So there's going to be some cap uh, complications and challenges here moving forward. We both know it's coming. So mm-hmm. Let's talk about the goalies. Okay. Talbot goes tonight. Yeah. Are you surprised by that, given the preponderance of first goals against, or does it totally I don't know. does it's, it does it totally make sense, given the fact that you know what, you go with a guy that gets you a win, and neither guy got him a win well, on the road. I'm going to say two things. First of all, uh, 
the Sportsnet stats came up with this uh, stat. You probably saw the tweet I sent out this this uh, last weekend. Uh, it, since the start of the 16-17 season, the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Rangers have both been scored upon on their first shot against 23 times. That leads the league. So everyone in Edmonton goes, ah, Cam Talbot, he always lets the first shot in, and he's done plenty of that. But you know who also lets the first shot in a whole bunch, Bob? Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist, who's no one's looking at and saying he's not a really, really good goalie. So I think to me, and I've always argued this, I'm not absolving Cam Talbot every time. He's let some stinkers in in the first shot, and it lets your team down, and it's got to stop. But I'll tell you, that last one, it was in Philly. It was a power play he goal. He didn't have a chance. It was a tic-tac-toe goal no that chance. goes in the net, and it's one nothing. He has absolutely no prayer, and I'm seeing some fans on Twitter going, oh, Talbot let the first one in again. Guess what? You know, Jacques Plante lets that goal in. You name the goalie, it goes in. So it's an issue, the first goal. I yeah. get it. But it's a team issue. He needs to stop. 80%, and it's a goalie issue 20%. In my he mind. needs to stop the first one tonight. That's all I'm going to say. Sure. When we come back on uh, Oilers Now, what are we going to talk about? Well, we will get to some of your texts on our Heartland Ford text line. Let's do that. Oh, yes, we will. We'll also talk about the fact that the Oilers played differently on the road. They had a more aggressive forecheck, and they stuck with three centers. Uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins down the middle. Off to a Global News Weather Traffic Update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.